If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Never go wrong with a healthy Merle in the middle of the night. Dave Bailey from the UK. Good morning. R&R, it's been a while. How you doing? Nice to see you there. Terry Brown, always a pleasure. Michael Darling, thank you for coming on in. And who else is joining us here? Let's take a look. The gorgeous Teresa. She will be in Las Vegas for our Spaced Out Radio fan party, April 25th to 27th. Sensational Sherry, TMI, Bigfoot Rob, the stunning Samantha Hazelwood Gray. Nice to have you all here. And where else are we going here? Noble Patrick, always a pleasure to see you. John Ballerman, how you doing, man? in a few days and uh, we're going to get going here in just a couple of seconds here a reminder the super chat is open it's a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis we say thank you to all the veterans out there who are tuning us in you always have a safe place right here in our spaced out radio chat room and we got about 30 seconds here ob flat good to see you reminder that on february 26th lynn wallington will have the women of ufology conference right here on our youtube channel you're going to make sure you take that on in. R&R, thank you so much for that super chat. Really appreciate that. And, of course, you can get all your Spaced Out Radio swag on our website, spacedoutradio.com. Hey, Drew Morris, how you doing? Thanks for coming on in. Here we go, everyone. Horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok, at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Adrian Reister is our guest tonight because we got a great show. If you don't know him, you are going to learn very, very fast. He talks about seeing UFOs and nuclear bases while a part of the United States Air Force. Then in hour number three, we will bring you a great story from the swamp, courtesy of Swamp Dweller. Bigfoot Rob fills in for Super Duke on the Cryptid Report. Shirky Poo's got the news, and we got the thought of the Dave as well. 
We want to introduce you to Adrian Reister tonight. He is a former nuclear weapons technician, originally from Texas, who served in the United States Air Force at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri, which stores a wide variety of nuclear bombs. He did this between 2003 and 2007. His service is commendable. However, something strange happened. He saw a couple of UAP-type orbs and a shadow person. What are they doing in a nuclear facility? And Adrian has decided that it's time to come out publicly. Recently, he came out publicly on Thomas Fessler's Disclosure Tonight on YouTube. If you haven't checked out that interview with Thomas, I highly suggest you do. But we're very glad. Thank you to Thomas for getting in touch with Adrian and bringing us this great interview tonight. Adrian Reister, welcome to Spaced Out Radio. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you very much. <laughs> very glad to have you here, my friend. Let us introduce you to our audience because there are not a lot of people formerly of the military coming on out talking about UAP, talking about any type of the phenomena. Why did you decide that it was your turn to come on out and discuss these matters? Um, I originally came out, I had watched, uh, you know, the, the David Fravor videos and, you know, that, that it initially caught my intrigue back in, you know, 2017. And then I saw uh, Lou Elizondo talking about things and, you know, he's in the CIA. Same thing with John Ramirez. And I figure if these people are talking about it, why, why couldn't I? You know, I'm, I was just an airman, but I had also seen these things. And, you know, if I had seen these things, perhaps other airmen had seen these as well. And this is more like me trying to get it out there and uh, having other people decide that they want to talk to about what they've seen as well. Were you always a believer in the phenomena before this happened to you? Yeah, I've, I suppose I've always been a, a believer. I, I'd never really experienced anything. Like I've, I've, I've talked about this before that my parents had taken a trip to uh, Marfa and I got to see the Marfa lights in Texas. And <clears throat> those were a little similar to what I saw in, in, in Missouri, but it wasn't exactly the same thing. Uh, in Marfa, it's more like, it looks more like headlights in the sky, <laughs> for lack of a better description of that. Okay, so you had some idea of what you were talking about, but ne never really an experiencer per se as you went into right. this. So I want to learn about you because, you know, during the times of the To The Stars Academy, when Lou Elizondo was still a part of that, one of the big stories that came out, even though it was already known by the UFO community, was the fact that there were UFOs spotted over a number of nuclear weapon silos and facilities. And, you know, Robert Salas came out with this oh, decades ago. And mm -hmm. it was always shunned like it didn't happen. It made, you mm -hmm. know, almost made a fool out of Robert, even though he was telling the truth the entire time. And now we know he was telling the truth. So for mm -hmm. people who don't know about what it's like in a nuclear weapons facility, I know you have a lot of NDAs. There's things you can say and things that you cannot. But for us laymen out there who don't know what it's like, what is it like being a part of one of these nuclear weapons facilities? Um, you know, you work at a secluded area away from pretty much the rest of the base. Uh, you're under 24 seven security. Um, and on top of that, you know, you kind of have 
it's kind of like a, a camaraderie, you know, of all your nuclear weapons guys, because there's only so many that are trained really. Um, and so, you know, it's, there's also this thing of kind of making fun of each other, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's just one of those things when you're young. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let me uh, let me ask you this, okay? You know, I mean, you're literally playing with toys that can blow up the world, if yeah, if necessary, or a good chunk of it, we'll put a nice hole in it, okay, mm-hmm. and ruin a bunch of land around it. You know, when you yeah. got into the Air Force, is that what you wanted to do? No, actually, uh, when I had gone into the Air Force, um, you know, I had I had gotten a high percentage on my ASVAB score. So I could pretty much pick whatever I wanted out of the Air Force. And uh, I had initially gone with uh, EOD, which was the Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Uh, It's essentially the bomb squad of the Air Force. Um, It's a really stringent, very difficult uh, training course to get through. Um, And unfortunately, I I did not make it through. Uh, I ended up what they called washed out. I washed out of that course. And uh, I spent a good month or two as a student out of training in which the air force was kind of, I imagine juggling me around seeing where they could stick me. Uh, and I had already undergone, you know, top secret clearance, um, uh, like, uh, evaluations, uh, you know, they had gone out to talk to people about my, my background and all that kind of thing. So it, I guess I was kind of a shoe in to, uh, become a nuclear weapons technician because, you know, it takes a high percentage of uh, ASVAB score, I imagine, and that, you know, they didn't want to waste a top-secret clearance um, evaluation. Not, not, when you're sco- <laughs> not when you're scoring that high. They want to find a job for you and keep you yes. around. So, I mean, to go into the facility for the first time, how intimidating was that? Um. The one in Whiteman Air Force Base was actually, it's not very intimidating. Um, well, I, I suppose it is. It, you, you kind of get used to these things as you work on military installations. You know, there's fences everywhere. There's authorized uh, sign postage everywhere. You know, if if you're not where you're supposed to be or you're not doing what you're supposed to be, um, you're obviously not supposed to be there. <laughs> So, you know, um, you, you, as long as you make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's generally not a pro- issue, you know. No, I, I, I can see that, and I can appreciate that. For, for those who, like me, who never been around that, I mean, I think of you sitting in front of this giant board with with all sorts of buttons to push and big screens everywhere, making sure the temperature of the missile, even though it's not armed, you know, is is all right and everything is safe and sound. I could imagine the type of testing you had to do for that and and drills almost on a weekly or daily basis. Uh actually I I can't really get into that. <laughs> um That's fine. I didn't I didn't particularly work on missiles myself. I just worked on bombs. Oh, okay. Uh, just, uh, it was two separate uh, bomb uh, or weapon platforms. Okay. 
And this is where I will remind our audience that with some of the questions that we asked, you are going to have questions that you're going to have to defer because of paperwork called uh, NDAs that you signed, non-disclosure agreements. Mm -hmm. So we do have to respect that, and we will respect that. So I apologize if I ask any more sensitive type questions. Uh, you know, I'll just blame it no, on me being problem. I'll just blame it on me being Canadian here, not understanding <laughs> how the system works. All right. So, so for you, you know, you, you spend four years plus in, in the United States Air Force. At what point mm -hmm. did you start uh, hearing about these UAPs? Did you ever hear about them all before your experiences? Back then, they were called UFOs. You know, this is before the UAP thing came to be a more prevalent thing. Um, we didn't really hear anything too much about UFOs over, like, especially, like, nu nuclear installations. Um, I think it was kind of a, it was essentially stigmatized as well. You know, you, oh, you're seeing UFOs. Okay, are, are you sure? Are you, are you crazy? You know, <laughs> starting to wear a tinfoil hat kind of deal. Um, but, it, or, or if people did see UFOs, they were like, oh, no, it was just, it was probably a weather balloon or whatever, you know, but it was, it was never taken seriously. I want to say. Really? Did, does that surprise you considering the United States air force likes to say they own the air, they own the sky. Right. Well, they also, maybe the upper echelons do when, when you're down in the trenches as an airman, airman basic, you, you're, you're treated like an idiot because, you know, you're 18 years old, you're 19 years old, you don't know nothing from nothing, essentially, even though you've been trained to work on nuclear weapons and trained to do these other things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it essentially comes down to this airman's word versus a sergeant's word or that kind of thing, you know, just shut up and color. That doesn't concern you. Don't Don't worry about it. Just do this over here. For those of us who have never served, what is that like where they have you so focused on what you can and cannot do? I mean, it is extremely regimental, and especially being in something as sensitive as you were, you know, with bombs mm -hmm. and nuclear weapons, I mean, that had to be a little odd at times that, I mean, even to this day, a number of years later, you still can't talk about anything, and, and there's things that you'll have to take to your grave. It it was a little odd, you know, and especially like there are some times I want to tell my wife, oh, this is this is what I did, or this is this is something that I can do because I I did it this way and this way and this way because of this I did it here in this such a manner. Um, but and that's it's also difficult to relate, you know, some experiences that I've had because they were obviously knee deep in a nuclear weapon, <laughs> so. You know, it, it, it is a little difficult trying to relate some things. But other than that, you know, I just try to live my life as easy as possible, man. <laughs> well, now you do. So, I, I mean, going back then, though, I mean, did you think that there would be all of this UFO flap that you see today when you hear those stories that are put down or cut down way back <clears throat> when? You know, I... I probably would have paid attention a lot more, to be honest, if I knew what was going on, um, especially back then. Uh, 
because you know even even uh, back then we there were such things as you know drones, but they were called UAVs. Uh, but they did not. Op- they still didn't operate the way that people say they operate it. You know, it's it would have to work f- like they say for longer than twenty minutes to hours for these drones to be hanging around. And back then, we just did not have that kind of technology, really. So that's that was an easy thing to rule out back then. You know, um, especially when. I've I've seen the things, you know, I've seen P2s take off from the base. I've seen F-117s take off. I've seen F-25s and F-35s and (laughs) F-22s. You know, it's it's a different thing, seeing all different kinds of things or uh, something that you can't explain. Did you ever, you know, Fast forwarding to today, did you ever think that this would become a hot button topic the way it has over the last couple of years? No, I don't. You know, it's really difficult because it wasn't really up until two years ago, I want to say, that this has kind of really started picking up speed. You know, Um, after the Nimitz thing, you know, it kind of all this news kind of picked up and then it died back down again. And then, you know, little things kind of keep it going along, but it hasn't, like I said, up until like the last two, two years that it's kind of steamrolled into what it is. Um, so no, I couldn't have, I couldn't have guessed this is where it would have ended up so far. What do you think of the fact that so few people in the air force, Navy and the army, even the Marines have stepped forward to say that, they have seen things like you have or people like Alex Dietrich or David Fravor? Um, I mean, I, I can't really say about Navy people or Marine people, but I know Air Force people. And if, if what I think is right, um, they're just afraid, really, um, especially people with, clearances, especially people with PRP, um, you know, people in high places or people in sensitive areas, and they see these things, they don't want to talk because I don't want to lose what I have, you know, essentially. I don't want to be Section 8, and I want to be labeled crazy. Um, it's The military is, is a pretty good life if, if, you can, if you can get through it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It, Honestly, if I were still in the military, I probably wouldn't be talking about it. Do you think, but now you think it's a subject that needs to come out and you want to do your little part to try and encourage others to step forward and say what they saw? Because it doesn't hurt to say what you saw. Right. I I agree. And to an extent, there, there might be some backlash with people that are still in the military, you know, like... I, I can't imagine what it would be, but, you know, um, I would probably encourage people that have left the military, you know, if you feel comfortable, you know, speak about what you've seen. Um, even if, and I understand it's a difficult ask of someone that is still in the military and, and has these clearances and PRP, you know, if you don't feel comfortable, don't. Don't say anything, man. Like, 
I'm not asking anybody to jeopardize their lives for anything. Um, Adrian, for people who don't understand or comprehend uh, a, a non-disclosure agreement with the military, what happens if you break one? That's like life in prison, man. <laughs> that's 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 pretty much you're you considered a, a traitor, really. If you break your NDAs. And what is a PRP? I mean, look at Edward. PRP is a personal reliability program. Um, essentially, you're in a sensitive area. Um, they want to ensure that you are a reliable person, which is essentially the whole name of the program. Um, you're not allowed to do certain things. You know, you're not allowed to be hypnotized. You're not allowed uh, to have uh, NyQuil. You're not allowed to have certain medic- other medications. Um, just... You're in a sensitive area and you're not allowed to do certain things. <laughs> Does that include today as well? No, I'm no longer PRP certified. Okay, because I know Dr. Bob McGuire, we call him Science Bob around here. When he was CIA, he can't go for hypnotherapy to this day. He can't. He's not allowed. Truths. Um, <clears throat> and I, I do, yes, there are certain aspects of it. I am not allowed to be hypnotized for you know, but that's not essentially because of PRP. That's because of my inner workings with knowing certain parts of nuclear weapons. Right. Right. I totally understand that. We got three minutes here to go before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Adrian Reister is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Adrian, for you, when we come back, we're going to talk about your stories and your encounters that you had while part of the United States Air Force. And this is a little too close for comfort for a lot of people in understanding it. Mm-hmm. But, but for you, how did these experiences change you? And we'll get into them in the next half hour, but I'm saying on a personal level. Um, back then, honestly, they didn't really change me a whole lot. I kind of just put it out of sight, out of mind. I didn't really give it a second thought up until, you know, when things started happening with the Nimitz and especially within the last year or two. And, you know, it was only a couple months ago that I had seen a brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved, Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. 
When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Report from uh, George Knapp about two security forces guys out in Nellis that had seen a shadow person on their base. So that's kind of when I, I linked the two together. Do you like coming out and talking about this? Are you comfortable with this? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> Actually, I'm, it makes me very anxious talking about these kind of things. <laughs> but uh, like, it, it's it's an important thing that I feel that should be said. So, you know. <laughs> Why are you anxious? Um, I'm not really sure. I'm probably because I'm more scared of actually accidentally saying something or I get anxious in front of like groups of people, you know, um, uh, I kind of, I guess I have kind of stage fright. (laughs) Uh, so that's, that's really most of my anxiety coming there. Um, I can understand that. I mean, it's difficult. I mean, there's so much you want to say and there's so much more you cannot say. And, and, you know, I, I guess the good part is with these experiences, they don't really affect or didn't affect your duties on, on the job while you were in the United States air force. Right. Right. To an extent. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, when, like I said, when we come back for the break, we're going to learn about these stories as we continue on through the evening. Do you, or has anybody, you've done a few interviews now, not many, I believe this is your third or fourth that you have Mm -hmm. done. Has anybody approached you, about why you're talking? Um, I haven't been necessarily approached. Uh, I have been, I have talked to some people that I I worked with uh, at Whiteman, not all of them were favorable. Um, And, you know, we had our differences and kind of went our separate ways. Um, But it's, yeah, not my not every experience I've had with former Air Force people have been favorable, <laughs> including friends. Yes. So why would they? Well, why would they? Or why? <laughs> okay. Well, why would these people? We got twenty seconds. Why would these people give you hell for for uh, coming out? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, other than maybe they're just scared as well of of some spotlights being shined into that area of the air force. Good answer. Good way to stop it right there is we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Adrian Reister is here. Former nuclear weapons tech in the United States air force spent four years in saw a couple of strange happenings that we are going to get to when we return on Spaced Out Radio for the second half hour. You're not going to want to miss this. Stay tuned. All right, we're clear. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, hi, Shelly Montgomery. Welcome. And who else showed up here? The Wizard Grin. Good to see you. JR, thanks for coming on in, and thank you, Obi Flett, for the amazing super chat, along with Cat Chaser, Rob, 
R&R and Thomas, we really appreciate it. Uh, the Super Chat is a good, healthy way to help us continue to bring this awesome program to you each and every night, seven days a week. So thank you so much for the love. We give you the love right back. Uh, I don't usually ask a lot of questions, Adrian, during the break uh, because I kind of like to keep that for the whole radio side thing, because it really sucks if you say something really good during the break and then I bring it up back <laughs> on air. <laughs> yeah, and then get a totally completely different answer. So I, I will just pause on that for a little bit. But um, no, it's good. It's a, uh, This is good so far. Hi, Michael Leger, the Michael Leger, the gorgeous Jessica McCreary has returned. By the way, everyone, we put up a, in case you haven't checked it on out, on Canada's Great Unknown, we got a brand new story up for you tonight. And thank you so much. We passed 400 people tonight. We're at 402. 402. Oh. But we uh, we uh, have a new story up here. Here is the link for Canada's Great Unknown. All right. Check it on out. Uh, we got some uh, stories from some police officers that I edited down about some of the strange happenings that they went through. So check that on out. I would appreciate it. Let us know what you think. Leave a comment below. I know some of you have already seen it, but it would be great if you could. And if you haven't subscribed to that channel, please do so. It would be really, really cool if you did. So, hey, gorgeous Pam McSee, Eddie Rodriguez, how are you? Thank you for coming on in. And we appreciate that. Obi Flett's already listened, so thank you, Obi. Appreciate that. Okay, big question for you from Fidgety Aura. How many cats do you have? What are their names? Do you <laughs> do you feel they warn or protect you from shadow people? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they warn or protect me. Um, I have four cats. Uh, my first cat is the only one that I bought. Uh, her name is MJ for Mary Jane. You know, Spider-Man, uh, when I picked her out, she uh, she would only sleep on top of a Spider-Man pillowcase. <laughs> so, hence the name MJ. Um, we had bought her from PetSmart. She's a Ken. Well, she's not in here, actually. She's the one that jumps in my lap fairly regularly. Um, so, in other words, she will second- make an ap- appearance tonight. Probably. She already has, uh, I think. <laughs> Um, uh, my second cat is Ronald. He was left here by my wife's uh, daughter, um, when she moved to another house and I ended up inheriting Ronald and he's my cat now. (laughs) Good. And then I have two porch kitties that we rescued off of our porch. Um, one is Noodle. I literally rescued her from the jaws of a raccoon. (laughs) <laughs> and then my cat Jack, who was born under the porch, and we saved. As oh, well. nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, three cats here. I call each of them Puss. It's just easier than remembering That's their different day. names. Uh, one mm. one is my daughter's. That uh, he is just. You could just throw him around. He doesn't care. <laughs> doesn't care. Uh, one is a rescue that was homeless in our neighborhood, just showed up. And, oh, wow. And one uh, we adopted. 
So we speaking of the devil. Yeah, there we go. There's a little MJ right there. <laughs> Very cool. We got about one minute here. Sure. Mm -hmm. Not all the cats get along, apparently. That's okay. <laughs> if we have a good brawl, that'll just be good for my ratings. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. I got two big dogs as well. I got two big dogs as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're not in here tonight. Doug will, my dog Doug will come in here and uh, probably later on in the third hour he'll make his way in after the break. <laughs> All right, we got about 10 seconds. They are interesting family members. Cats. Hold on one second, everybody. Hold, hold on. Mm -hmm. We are back for the second half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Really appreciate you earning our listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, you can check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight. UFOs, nuclear weapons, and the United States Air Force. Adrian Reister is with us. He spent four years as a nuclear weapons technician in the USAF, and he saw some interesting things when he was on duty. And these are things that probably shouldn't be poking around nuclear weapons facilities. Why they happened, we don't know. So let's find out what happened. Adrian, welcome back. Thank you. I want to ask you, and, and I should forewarn our audience before we get too heavily into this. You are surrounded by your four cats. So if they all of a sudden hear cats yeah. uh, meowing in the background, <laughs> that's what it is. All right, Adrian's a cat man, and yeah. and that's okay. We like our animals around here, so they're allowed. <laughs> so just want to kind of say, if a, if a cat does start meowing, well, there's a good reason. So, Adrian, let's learn about your story. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Here. Okay, at what point did something strange happen? Take us back to that day. Um, so I'm not really going to, I can't really get into the exact day because I I don't particularly know it, to be honest. Um, my first experience that I had was, I want to say in the fall, it was in the fall of 2005. Um, and it was just almost right after I'd, about a year after I'd gotten onto base, which was about a year and a half. Um, and I was doing what they call uh, gun guard. You know, essentially I'm, I'm holding a rifle as a secondary form of defense against intruders into a weapon secure area or weapon storage area. And this is already an area that has a 24-7 perimeter by security forces. So I'm just redundant at that point. But regardless, you know, um, my job is to surveil, you know, make sure there's nothing, uh, no immediate threats uh, coming coming through the fence or along the roads or whatever. So, you know, I'm, I'm just standing there. But the fall of 2005, um, uh, there was a transport team that was, that had just hooked up to a weapon or like a, an RLA ad- adapter. Um, I forget what they're called. <clears throat> Gun guard is a term used, actually. We used it fairly frequently. Um, Uh, and so the, the transport team had just hooked up to this, this, uh, trailer and they were coming down the, uh, the line and, uh, you know, I was looking off into like above the trees and I just noticed this kind of, um, like a, a, an orb, essentially what, what everybody sees is like an orb. I mean, it wasn't anything special. You know, I kind of, at first, thought it was a star. You know, it was about twilight, um, just when, you know, stars finally start coming out, you know. Um, <sighs> and uh, so, you know, like I said, I, I thought it was just a star. And, you know, I'm kind of looking around and, you know, as the transport team comes along, I notice the star kind of jumps up a little bit above the, the the tree line, kind of faster than anything normally would. Even you know, helicopter. You know, there were we had seen Apaches on. It was it's an Apache training base as well, uh, Whiteman Air Force Base is, and uh, you know, so it, it moved didn't move like a helicopter. It, it was too quick, too fast, and again, it was kind of just bobbing there as the 
transport team was coming down and I noticed as it was kind of having the, as the transport team was backing into the, the, uh, the IMF or the integrated missile facility are essentially the, the building that we worked in. Um, this thing kind of zipped off to, uh, the North and then went straight up and kind of just disappeared as the transport team was putting this weapon in securing the weapon inside the, the area, you know? Um, so essentially that's, that's what I saw that night. Um, I didn't really register it as a threat at the time. It was, it didn't really seem like it was threatening, you know? Uh, so I kind of just filed it away and didn't give it too much of a second thought, you know? Again, at this point, I can't really prove anything. Nobody else is saying, hey, did you see that? <laughs> you know? Um, and at the time, I'm, I'm only an airman, you know, uh, or an airman first class. So I don't have a whole lot of rank, you know? It's basically my word against a sergeant or a senior airman or, you know, whoever. And uh, so I just decided not to say anything at that time and kind of just out of sight, out of mind, file it away, move on, keep on moving. Okay, so explain to what you saw again. You saw this this orange orb kind of come out of the sky and start doing some some weird moves. Explain that. How long did it last? Well, essentially... Moving that that transport team takes about took about at most ten minutes. That I had noticed this thing was about ten minutes. Um, it could have been hanging out there longer. Um, I hadn't noticed it before that time. Um, maybe it was just below the tree line, and it kind of as it saw activity was happening, it it, it decided to play hide and go seek. Um, but like I said, uh, it couldn't have lasted longer than 10 minutes, this whole occurrence. I'm sorry. Did you say 10 minutes or two minutes? 10 minutes. Okay. One zero. Okay. So when this was happening and you were watching this in the sky and, and you were having this experience, did anybody else notice it with you? No, uh, the transport team is all they're doing is making sure that their weapons are arriving safely within, you know, the building. It's my duty at that time to kind of just do the surveillance. And if anybody else had seen anything, they certainly didn't say anything to me. Hmm. And you didn't feel comfortable in talking to anybody about this because. You didn't want to get labeled. You didn't want to take any chances. Essentially, yes. Um, and this is one of those... Oh, my. Oh, we got this a cat fight. Things. This is what we were yeah. waiting for. Pay-per-view. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Um, this is one of those things that, you know, you start talking about it, and people are like, okay, well, you're the crazy guy. You know, okay, you're the crazy guy. Sure, sure. All right, man. All right. And then eventually, you know, they're just, they'll either not take you seriously anymore or you just get kind of drummed out. You, you, you get written up, you get in 
paper trail, you, you know, they find a reason, a reason to get rid of you. Quite crazy, you know. So at no point for the sake of your career did you want to even take a chance at saying anything. Right. right. Okay. I mean, once you get the label, they kind of just, it kind of sticks. Right. How big was this orb? You know, as I was looking at it, it was a little bit bigger than... If I had to guesstimate, well, obviously, I do have to guesstimate. (laughs) Uh, You know, it was about the size of... Couldn't have been bigger than a fighter. You know, like, probably an F-15 size. uh, Maybe an F-22. Um, but it didn't, it didn't move like them. It, it didn't flash lights like them. It didn't, you know, all aircraft have, you know, the white strobe lights, they have the green and red lights on them. It didn't have anything like that in it. It, it was a good, I want to say a good mile away from me and probably a good, it's hard to tell distance. Okay, yeah, and, and at night it is difficult to but, tell any sort of distance. But you watched this for 10 minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Was it hovering over the base? Was it close? Were you surprised that nobody else was looking at this at this time? It actually was not over the base. Um, if... If what I'm, if my judgment of distance is correct, it was essentially over uh, some pig farms right off of right off of Cider Base, um, and that's where it it operated at. Uh, it didn't. There wasn't any part that I noticed that it came over flying over the base. Um, just it was, I don't know, man. <laughs> No, and and I understand what you're saying. It was still close enough to catch your attention right. and to be potential concern, considering there are nuclear weapons surrounding you. Right. Yes, it, it was still big enough to where I had noticed it, but it wasn't a direct threat by flying over the base or getting too close or demonstrating some kind of weird... I don't know, weapon system or something like that, you know. It was just a dot in the sky, and it moved around pretty weird. Okay, all right, bye. You know? It didn't even say hello, give you a flash or anything. You didn't. Right. <laughs> you, do you think it knew you were looking at it? I mean, it's really, it can be kind of a subjective thing. Um, I would say that it noticed... It noticed that the weapons were in movement, I would imagine, because otherwise, why else would it book it out of there when we had secured him within the building? Um, and then, again, why would it move to have a better, like, view of the weapons as they're coming down the... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. The road. So maybe it wasn't, I don't think it was concerned of being looked at or being watched. At that, so much as oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. At, at some point, though, did you not think that maybe it could have been a drone or something along those lines? And again, we can. This is basically at in in two thousand five. At that time, we were barely making things like predator uh drones and even then they're not they weren't considered drones per se they were uavs uh you know unmanned aerial vehicles and we did not have the kind of technology for that even because even when it shot off to the north and it went straight up it's not like it shot up and then you know went so high it disappeared it just disappeared you know, it, it ceased to exist at that point in time. <laughs> wow. This led to another encounter that you had with another orb, but something happened mm-hmm. in between that. Explain yes. what happened. Take us to your next weird happening on base at Whiteman Air Force Base. Okay, so this experience happened in 2006, and I want to say it was in the spring. Um, we had probably just gotten a bunch of fresh recruits from tech school. Um, and so we were probably not in the middle of a maintenance cycle. Um, and when we're not doing maintenance, we're training crews. You know, the more people that have experienced, the easier it is for the rest of us so that we don't, we're not always, everyone is elbow deep in nuclear weapons, you know, time, distance and shielding kind of thing. Um, so I had just transferred over into the weapons support side of nuclear weapons operations. Um, if essentially it's, it's all one shop, you know, we're all nuclear weapons techs. Um, there's the maintenance side, there's nuclear weapons support, and then there's administration. Um, I had just transferred into nuclear weapons support and essentially what that job entails is I'm essentially... Uh, distributing out toolboxes, chemicals, gloves, MSDs, 
you know, essentially anything to su support the operations of the nuclear weapons, um, which is the name of the, the shop. <laughs> um, so at that time, I was working uh, graveyard shift or mids, what they call them, uh, working from 11 a.m. to 7 in the morning. Um, I don't remember exactly what day it was. Uh, it had We had just gotten a training crew in. Uh, they had just started working. Uh, it was probably about 2 o'clock is where I'll start my story, or 2 a.m., uh, roughly. Um, and the training crew had been in the back bay. You know, whenever there's a training crew and they're using a training weapon, we, we treat it. It was treated as a real weapon. You know, we secured everything because still inside a, a training weapon is some classified material as well. Um, so all the all the doors were pinned. Uh, the only way in and out of the building is essentially through the front door. And I, it's it, it's really hard to describe this front door unless you have been through something similar. Uh, I call it an airlock style door. It was essentially you walk through a front door and then there's kind of like a little antechamber and then you have to be let in through a secondary set of doors, kind of like a, a holding container. Um, so that that is the only way in and out of that building at that point in time. And uh, so I'm sitting in weapon support, you know, um, I've been by myself for about an hour, two hours at this time. Um, I'm, I'm going through the internet. I think we're looking for an armory. Um, and I just hear kind of like the pitter patter or the, the sound of bare feet walking on cement or, you know, I could, I, it also sounded a little bit like water dripping, which is probably the more pragmatic thing to think of because we had, uh, an eyewash station and one of those emergency showers. I don't know if people have seen these in warehouses or whatever, um, so, you know, I, I turn around to go look at the, the eyewash station or the shower and I don't see it. I know I spent a, a, a good minute, 30 seconds, you know, looking at this thing to make sure it's not dripping and I see that nothing's happening. So I kind of turn back around and kind of, okay, it's, it's in my head, you know, I guess I'm hearing things or, you know, whatever. It's, it's a fairly big building and sometimes there's sounds that don't sound quite right. But it's it's usually an explainable. Or every time I've looked, it's an explainable sound, you know. Um, so I, I go back to looking at the computer, whatever the I'm doing at that time, and then I hear more distinctly. Um, this time it was I could distinguish it was actual bare feet walking on cement, or like painted on cement. Um, if people have been at like, a swimming pool that people paint the cement on the, the floor. There's that kind of like slapping wet sound. Uh, and that's when I decided to get up because that was not combat boots and you shouldn't be wearing or you shouldn't have bare feet in our area. You know, we all are issued combat boots for a specific reason, you know. Um, so I get up and as I'm looking down the wall to the admin section, it was a little past uh, uh, some lockers. I noticed the outline or the shape of this blurry 
kind of fuzzy, dark figure. <laughs> this is, uh, it's the best thing I can describe is just a blurry, fuzzy, dark shape of a person. Um, it's, it wasn't very, it wasn't translucent except kind of like around the edges where it was that fuzzy blurriness. Um, but towards the center, it was very opaque. You couldn't see through it. And that kind of, at that point, people have asked me, you know, was it scary or, you know, what, what were you thinking at the time? And, you know, that I, I have time, I've had time to think about the experience, you know, I wasn't really terrified. I wasn't scared. I wasn't, I wasn't anything. I didn't feel anything other than, oh my God, there's this thing over there. I got to go get it. You know, <laughs> there's something in this building. I got to go get it. <laughs> um, so I start taking off towards this thing. And as I'm moving, it's also running. And it turns a corner into the admin section. And as it turns a corner, I'm almost right on its heels. And as I'm turning the corner, it's just, it's, it's gone. I don't hear it. I don't see it. There's nothing to indicate that any doors have been opened. Um, you know, there are some nights that no, or there are some days that doors haven't been opened at all and they still have their temper proof seals. And, you know, I'm going through there or those sections and making sure that nothing has been tampered with. All the doors are still pinned. Uh, you know, I'm essentially checking and double checking and double checking again, because this is kind of, a serious thing, you know, there's, I saw, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that I saw something and I can't explain how it got in and I can't explain how it got out. And I was like, at this point, you know, I'm by myself. If I say anything to somebody, they're going to think I'm, I'm pretty crazy. You know, they're, they're going to think I'm really crazy because I saw, I've seen something that I can't explain. I have obviously no evidence, you know, I can't, you know, I didn't have anything to prove to them. And, you know, in this admin section, there was really only two, you know, there was a bathroom, there was a break room, there was a conference room, there was an office, there's several offices. And, you know, as I'm going through each one, I'm, you know, as I said, I'm checking and double checking and I, I hadn't come across anything. There were no do- doors opened, no alarms had gone off. Um, no sensors had been tripped outside. Um, if, if there, you know, and if there, there hadn't been alarm trip because there would have been security forces to roll up, you know, they would have been at that building within minutes, five minutes at the very minimum. So I decided, you know, I, I don't have anything to prove. I don't have anything solid evidence to say, hey, there was something in here. And I also don't want to be called crazy. So I'm just going to pretend this didn't happen. And I'm going to just keep on, keep on walking. (laughs) So many questions about this, man. Sure. I mean, no sensors are tripped. So you don't have any physical evidence. You don't want to radio in and call in extra armed guards in in case because you don't even have a verbal view or verbal a a visual on this whatever it was 
Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a bad situation to be in right there. I mean, the longest I had this thing in in sight was at most two minutes, if that. That's the longest I I saw it. Well, we're- brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over forty, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As soon as it turned that corner, I was, I lost it. We're going to get into that in a little bit more when we come back on Spaced Out Radio because we are already through one hour here on the big show tonight. Adrian Reister is our guest. Shadow people, orbs, nuclear weapons. It doesn't sound like a good mix, but this is what happened to Adrian during his four years in the United States Air Force guarding and protecting nuclear weapons facilities spaced out radio continues with hour number two next mm-hmm. all right we're clear dude all right uh yeah, yeah it was, uh... yes uh jenny i did get a haircut and a mm-hmm. uh flat ironing today i even got my i couldn't handle it anymore i got my sides trimmed and the back trimmed so I got number one put on the side, so now I can breathe, and everything is beautiful <laughs> once again. Everything is beautiful. <laughs> hmm Yeah, I've been letting my own hair grow out for a minute now. Nice. At first, I started shaving the sides in the back, mm-hmm. and I, I got lazy with it, and I started letting it all grow out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see that. You got a good bearded mustache combination going too. <laughs> yeah. 
Hi, Stunning Pam Smith. How are you? No, Dave will never have a man bun. That is for soccer player <laughs> and hooligans and people who support Justin Trudeau. Oh my! <laughs> they they wear the uh, they wear the uh, the the man buns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ocean Odell, welcome to our channel. How are you? Welcome to our chat room. It's a good hashtag there, Jeremy. All right. <laughs> the beard. Kevin and Kevin's beard. Two separate entities, two separate zip codes. There he is, right there. Look at that man. That isn't Jesus, people. That is Kevin and Kevin's beard. Thurston Howell the Third. How are you, man? Good to see you. We got to convince Kevin to come to Vegas, April twenty second to twenty fourth, for the SOR fan party. Yeah, we do. At the Golden Nugget Casino, Saturday we're doing a live show. I'll tell you, our lineup is getting better. All right. George Knapp is likely going to be there. Michael Schratt, James Goodall, Bigfoot Rob, Nate Rudd, and Hallmark Corey are going to be there. Carter Bouchart is going to be there. Geraldina Roscoe is going to be there. I believe Nicole Sackich, Grant Cameron, and even Richard Doty are going to be there. We mm. got a lot of people coming, guys, for that Saturday show. Tickets for that will only be 25 bucks. All right? That's the only thing we're charging for for the whole weekend is that live show. Lynn Wallington's going to be there. The guys from UFO Garage, Joe and Ben, are going to be there. It's going to be fun. We will be broadcasting it live on our YouTube channel if everything goes A-OK. All right, who else has come on in here? Mama Susan, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Robert Lampke, thank you for coming on in. And I think that's it. Mm-hmm. There we go. We're caught up. We're caught up. Yeah, we got a good time happening. And both Lynn Wallington and I will be speaking at UFOCon 2022 in San Francisco, California, March 25th to 28th, or 27th, pardon me. You can come hang out with us there. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, man. We are going to have a lot of fun talking UFOs. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Lorian always puts on one of the greatest conferences annually in North America. This will be my third time speaking at it. And you know what? I'm happy that I got an opportunity to be there again. And I love Lorian. She is a, uh, a real mentor of mine. I'll do anything to help her out. So if you guys can make it, that is going to be great. Mm -hmm. UFOCon2022.com is the website. Get your tickets today. All right. Uh, who else come in here? Oh, Sensational Sherry. Um, yeah. No. We retired that, Jim Chambers. All that's mm -hmm. retired. We got about 90 seconds here, dude. Mm -hmm. I still haven't picked a topic, what I'm going to... Lorian, if you're still in the chat room, what the hell am I talking about at your conference? Experiencers? 
experiencers. Or the media. Chrismo from Austria, how are you? All right, we got about one minute. Of course, Lorian, you're invited to Vegas. Everyone's invited. <laughs> Everyone's invited. We want Lorian Fenton there in Vegas, too. Of course she's invited. Shame on me. For... Say... All right, I got to speak about the experiencer thing. That's what I'll talk about. All right, uh, we got one minute here. Uh, Thomas, R&R, Rob, that's Ozzy Rob with the Hamhawks. Hmm. Cat Chaser and OB, thank you so much for the Super Chats. We really do appreciate it. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on a nightly basis here. And uh, if you want some swag, go to spacedoutradio.com. Check out our swag on our in our store. It's a great way to go there. No, Justin Trudeau is not invited to the Vegas party. Hi, Anastasia. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth, hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Oh, let's see here. It's Vafris. Vafris is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading up on Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Adrian Reister. He spent four years in the United States Air Force, where he literally, literally worked at nuclear weapons facilities, guarding them, checking them on out, making sure the computers had the right buttons on them, so red meant red, green meant green, and blue meant blue. All right, I know he's kind of like, whatever, just shut up and get to me. All right, but this is his story. He's seen a couple of orbs, and right before the break, we were talking about this shadow person that you started chasing around. Were there no cameras in that facility, Adrian, that may have picked this up? Uh, well, so this is something that I talked to with Lou from uh, Unidentified Celebrity Review um, that there are not cameras per se inside the facility. It's is generally considered a bad thing to video record inside a classified area. Um, however, outside of the actual integrated missile facility, in the you know the 
the 24 seven perimeter, that's always under camera. So nothing was, as far as I understand, there was nothing that was caught on those cameras and inside of the building, you know, aside from there not being cameras, there are still sensors that are measuring heat and, you know, movement and all those other kinds of things that I honestly, I don't even know what they detected. You know, Um, all I know is that if it was a human being, it would have gone off (laughs) essentially Um, on top of that. I know, I know that, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there are security measures in place that probably cannot be talked about for security reasons. So, yes. Okay. So, thank you for confirming that. I'm curious regarding any of those security apparatus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Addises. Nothing picked anything up. As far as I understood, nothing picked those up or nothing picked it up. Um, you know, while, while we have people inside the building, there are sections that we can lock down and, you know, uh, set up the sensors. But generally, whenever the building is... Uh, occupied by, you know, nuclear weapons techs. Our sensors are not usually up other than, you know, sensitive areas or um, like the front door essentially is the only thing that would have gone off essentially because all the other doors were pinned and closed. Um, And obviously if, something is large enough to break our doors off security forces is already going to know about it. You know? Yes. Because the doors, if, the doors are wired. Right. And they're, they're pinned, literally pinned at the top and the bottom closed. So it, it's very difficult to get those doors open regard or, or without the key or from the inside. Um, and like I said, you know, the, the buildings, the way these areas are set up is to keep people from coming from the out in, not from the in out, right? Because if you're coming from the in out, you've already been cleared. You've already, you know, you, you were, you're supposed to be there, essentially. Um, you're not going to start from making sensors or ma- start making 
centers go off from the out in, whereas whenever things are happening, you know, if, if there's an adversary trying to get a nuclear weapon, every classical adversary would come from the out of outside of the weapon storage area into the weapon storage area, you know? So that's the way the whole system is kind of just set up that way. Um, as far as I understand it, you know, there are probably a lot more things that I don't know about, you know, and I, I, I'm, I am purposely avoiding some aspects of this. Um, but it, I understand people's skepticism uh, towards, you know, the whole security of, of these classified areas. But you also have to understand most people that are there are supposed to, everyone that is there is supposed to be there. You, there are multiple layers of security for you to get through in order to get into this building. Um, and these areas were not set up for shadow people or for beings to just pop in and pop out wherever they want to, you know? And so the sensors are not set up for that kind of thing, especially, um, and if, if people don't particularly understand that there is no cameras inside of the building. Well, we were also not allowed to have cameras on our phones while we're inside of the building or in the side of the weapon storage area. And this is back when iPhone had just started coming in out with uh, phones on their cameras. And you would either have to paint over it or break the camera on your phone. Um, part of the fear of having um, TVs or cameras or not TVs. Uh, part of the fear of having cameras inside that classified area is, you know, if that gets leaked for whatever reason, you know, you don't want that information to be let out at all or to be used against you, essentially. Very understandable. Very understandable. And, and, you know, one of the things that I want to ask is while you were chasing this, was it the size of a human being? Was it a little bigger? Was it a little smaller? It was a little bigger than a human being. Um, it was, it looked fairly thin, uh, or at least, you know, my kind of stature. I'm not kind of, I'm not a very big man. Um, I'm five foot four and I've estimated this thing to be about six foot tall, five, five, ten, six foot, somewhere in there. Um, and it's just kind of an average build, you know, it wasn't too thin. It wasn't too thick. And I know people have looked at my drawing and kind of thought that, oh, well, you made your drawing kind of thick and, you know, short looking. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't my intention. I'm just a really bad drawer. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the fact that this thing had incredible speed to just stay ahead of you and then take mm -hmm. off and disappear i mean at first you thought you were chasing a person correct i honestly did not know what i was chasing because that was not any person that i had ever seen or anything that i had ever seen a person using you know um these are are bays are very well lit um it's 
really difficult to work on nuclear weapons and nuclear weapon stuff when you can't see what you're doing. Um, and I always liked to have the lights on because I don't like the dark. <laughs> you know, it's kind of cre- creepy being in that base by myself I, I or bet. in that, that specific area by myself. Uh, so I always had the lights on. Um, there's There goes your tax dollars at work. <laughs> Um, so it was, it was very clear that it was not a person, but it was in the shape of a person. And I think that was what kind of initially was my initial shock and why I kind of started, oh God, I better chase this thing, you know? No kidding. No kidding. I want to ask you regarding this, you stayed silent on this as well, but at some point later on, how did you figure out it was a shadow person? You know, and most of what I understand shadow people to be or used to be, um, I, I used to watch Ghost Hunters and all that, you know, the paranormal kind of stuff, you know, and they talk a lot about shadow people on there. And I have also been part or not part of, but I've done some ghost investigations in, in uh, my hometown of El Paso. And, you know, there's shadow people experiences there. Um, and so my association with shadow people was essentially just ghosts, you know, and I didn't know that's what I was seeing or not seeing back then in Whiteman, that shadow person. Um, I kind of just, it was one of those things that I kind of just put out of sight out of mind and I didn't really chalk it up to anything other than just maybe I'm, maybe I am going crazy, but I'm not going to tell anybody kind of deal, you know? Um, or maybe the base was on an Indian or a Native American burial ground for all I knew, you know? Um, and so it wasn't until I had seen the, uh, the report that George Knapp had done with, uh, uh, the two security forces guys out in Nellis, I think it was at S2, that they had come across a shadow person there right? in in a fairly sensitive area as well. And I kind of, that's where I, I connected the dots. I was like, well, you know, I guess I did kind of see something like that as well. You know, <laughs> that's where I connected that from. At any point, did you look into the extraterrestrial phenomena, whether because you had seen the orb that it may have been, an alien cloaking itself. At that time, I really, I didn't associate the two, really. Like, I saw the orbs, and then I saw the shadow person, and um, people also asked me as well, like, are the the two kind of working in tandem with each other, or, and I would have to say no. Um, They didn't happen, you know, within, like, a week of each other. They didn't happen you know, at any, coinciding with each other at any time. Now, of course, I didn't also go outside and look to see if there was a UFO or an orb up in the sky the night that I saw the shadow person as well. So maybe, but I I personally cannot correlate the two. Right. Other than, you know, just shadow people. I know there's a bunch of questions that have piled up here, but I want to get to mm-hmm. the third encounter that you had, which was another orange orb. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for this orb that I had seen, now to the uh, west of the base, there is a national park or like a, a forest. And that's where I would p- place this orb. And it didn't really do anything extraordinary other than just kind of blink a couple times and then it just disappeared. And I would say that of, of all the things that I've seen that least impresses me as a UAP, you know, but I also can't explain what it was it, because things don't just blink and disappear, you know? Okay. So what, what time of year did this happen at? This was in, I want to say springtime of 2006. How long? Late springtime. Okay, so how long in between that happening and the shadow person? It had been a good five, six months between the time, between the two. And between the shadow person and the first orb was, you know, a year or so. So I couldn't, there was no regular interval for me to kind of correlate the, the, the orbs with each other. Now, were you the only one to see this second orb as well? Um, I'm sure there was, the contractors had seen the orb. Um, we were doing what was called a free zone. Um, essentially, we opened up a section of our weapons storage area to let contractors work on some things in there. And uh, in order for them to get that done without getting a classified area badge or uh, a background check or a classified cl- background check, uh, they're essentially monitored at all times by people um, to include the, the security forces personnel. We kind of just supplement them doing sentry duty. Um, and that's when I had seen it. Um, I didn't notice anybody else had said anything. Um, I did notice that there was somebody, or not notice, but I had heard somebody saying they had seen something up in the sky, but I didn't really like follow it or follow up on it. You know, it was kind of just, okay, whatever. I'm, I want to go home now kind of deal. Um, it wasn't, these are not things that I really, I wanted to associate with, or, you know, I, I didn't want to be that, that guy that wearing the tinfoil hot kind of deal, you know? Um, so I have recently talked to a friend, uh, that has said he's seen some things and I haven't really followed up with that yet either. I'm kind of milking that a little bit. (laughs) Um, kind of seeing what, what his experiences were. Um, but, you know, I, I really didn't have anybody that I confided in. Um, and again, especially that particular instance, you know, for all I knew, it was a satellite. Of anything that could have looked like it was a satellite, it, it might have been a satellite for all I knew. Um, and that's not really anything of significance. Um, but again, it was something that it looked similar enough to the first experience I had that 
I couldn't really rule it out either, you know. I don't blame you either. I mean, the fact that this second one looked a lot like the first in color and everything, but this one was just sitting there almost observing. In the back of your mind, I mean, Air Force bases all have radar operations happening. I mean, you're obviously in a position that you're not going to be able to know that. But do you think, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back on it, that of the two orbs that you saw, that radar was probably watching them in that those areas? I, if if the radar was able to detect him, probably I'm I'm sure they were able to pick him up, especially the second one that just hung out there for you know ten fifteen seconds that I was looking at it. Um. So. And and that was only that I had noticed it. You know, it might have been there for ten minutes. I just wasn't at that particular point in time. Right. Right. So here you have two orbs. You have a shadow person. Are you wondering what the hell is going on at this base? I It did kind of make me wonder a little bit. I had done a little bit of background check into um, the actual bomber group of White Man Air Force Base is uh, the 509th Bomber Wing, which is also the same bomber wing that allegedly picked up the uh, Roswell crash. Uh, evidence. So I I thought that was a little strange and that it was also a former uh, missile base. So there could be some correlations there as well. But uh, other than that, not really, no. (laughs) Neither of these orbs affected your safety. No. And I, again, it wasn't one of those threats uh, or one of those things that I, I considered a threat. You know, it wasn't something coming towards me. It didn't look like it had a kind of weapon system on it that was being used or, you know, it was just a dot in the sky and it disappeared. Okay, see you later. <laughs> Looking back on it, what do you think they were? Those orbs, you know, there's there's so many different things that people think of these things. Um, I had recently seen something on Twitter about somebody had a, an orb that they claimed were a Foo Fighter. And, you know, for all I know, maybe. But if these things were as big as I think they were, um, they couldn't have held much more than one or two people in them you know yes 509th also dropped the bombs on japan goober um um but i don't know man i it's really difficult for me to kind of make a even a guess really just there are so many different things that they could be you know or they couldn't be you know they could be craft, they could be consciousness, they could be people that are experiencing astral body projections, they could be extra dimensional jellyfish, it could be, you know, who knows. Have you seen any UFOs since then? I have not, actually, and I 
I do keep looking up quite consistently, but I don't, I've never seen another UFO after that or UAP after that. I'm sorry. Okay. So the idea that, that you had these experiences and after they happened, maybe after your career in the air force, as we got about a minute to go here, did you think of talking to other people about them to see maybe they didn't witness those exact sightings, but had witnessed other things in the sky that were anomalous as well? Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've talked to some people, um, not particularly about my, my thing, my uh, experiences. I've always kind of just kept that in my hat. I didn't really, I didn't want to be that person, you know, um, one of those, a, a leaker or that kind of thing. I can't say I've always really wanted to talk about it because even now I, I still kind of, I don't want to talk about it, but I, f- I know that it's important and I feel that it's important to get this issue out. And, uh, well, hold your, hold your thought right there because we are sure. going to go to a break here at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, with Adrian Reister, we're going to find out his thoughts on disclosure moving forward. Is it disclosure? Is it confirmation? Why is the Air Force silent? We'll get his opinion and more as we got Adrian Reister for another 30 minutes right here on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear. So we got All you right. for another 30. Yeah. <laughs> Great job so far, dude. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, 405er. How are you, buddy? Guess people like my chairs, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's Greg O'Brien. You only know he's I, smiling uh... when he scowls. <laughs> Hi, lovely little yeah, Donna. just... Uh... We just recently moved houses, so everything's kind of up in the air still. <laughs> Gong Show, how are you? Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, putting my house up for sale here soon, too. Hmm. So It's a good market right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, they've had a on on Whiteman Air Force Base. There's also they have one of the planes that dropped one of the nukes on Japan. It's the Artiste, is the plane that they have on Whiteman. Uh, I believe the Enola Gay is in the Smithsonian. Right. Uh, Kira, no, I wish I was moving to Vegas. I'll be staying in my area here unless I can, uh, unless everything continues to go to hell up here, then I'll put in for refugee status. (laughs) Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Gong Show, you're never hyped up on candy, man. <laughs> you're just high on life, buddy. High on life. Oh. MJ. Gloria, I've emailed you back. <laughs> Get down. Get down. <laughs> Yeah, she she purrs pretty loudly. <laughs> That's all right. We don't mind that around here. We don't mind that. That is allowed. Okay, we got about a minute and a half. All right. Uh, some people came in late and are wondering the names of your cats again. Sure. Uh, MJ is one that jumps in my lap fairly regularly. Uh, Ronald is the other tabby around here somewhere. That one is Noodle. <laughs> and Jack is our youngest cat, little baby boy. Nice. Not he's not so little. He's he's part Maine Coon, so yeah, he's not so little. Race fan, you're in trouble for mentioning that Taco Bell is five minutes from your home. Uh, I want to remind people that uh, UFO Con 2022 happens March 25th through 27th in San Francisco, California right by the San Francisco International Airport. And Lynn Wallington and I will be speaking at that conference. And we'd love it if you guys came. My topic will be experiencers. 
The Forgotten Souls of Ufology. That is what I will be talking about coming up here very, very soon. Thank you to Thomas, R&R, Ozzy Rob, Cat Chaser, and Obi Flett for the amazing Super Chats. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell. We're here seven days a week for your listening ears, so let's make it happen right now. We go uh, into the next half hour right now. You know, sometimes I absolutely hate this job of being in the middle of nowhere of British Columbia broadcasting spaced out radio. Because in my chat rooms, I have a bunch of Americans talking about how close Taco Bell is to their home. The closest Taco Bell to me is two and a half hours away. That is a sin. It is horrible. Vile. And I'm telling you, it is rude that my audience members tease me and taunt me with my addiction to Taco Bell. And here they are, rubbing it into the chat room. I don't like it. I don't like it. Hi there. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you for listening in to Spaced Out Radio tonight. Very much appreciate taking the time to listen to this show as we are here for you five days a week. And I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button, our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, Adrian Reister is here with us. We're talking UFOs, UAP, disclosure. Is it disclosure? Is it confirmation? We really don't know at this point, but Adrian, I want to say welcome back, and we welcome your cats back in the background because you <laughs> are a cat collector. Thank you. <laughs> that is very. Yeah, that's Ronald. <laughs> that is very okay. We like the cats around here. We do. We like the cats around here. All right. I want to ask you. I mean, being an experiencer, being a veteran of the United States Air Force, and seeing what's mm-hmm. going on today, what do you think? Are we on the road to disclosure? Or are we on the road to confirmation that the phenomena is real? I think we're past confirmation at this point. You know, uh, the Navy has already come forward and said they don't know what the hell these things are in the sky. They don't, you know, um, they can't confirm. It's not us. They, they, They can't, you know, the only people that are silent are obviously the air force. Um, and so I think we're on a road to disclosure or at least the truth, you know, um, because with the truth, you can still have things that are not disclosed that are still sensitive or whatever the government wants to cover up or, you know, or they still deem as sensitive, but we'd know what it was. Right. Um, Disclosure, I think, is probably not going to happen 
completely. Uh, and I think, again, that's just something that governments do. You know, they kind of feel they need to shield people, that kind of deal. Um, I think we'll get closer to the truth, though. I think we'll find, we'll eventually figure out what this thing is um, or what the phenomenon is because it could be multiple things. Um, but yeah, man, <laughs> hopefully disclosure. Confirmation, I think, has already happened. I'm still stuck on that, Adrian. I don't know if I agree with you, and that's quite okay. We're allowed to have differing opinions here and have good conversation about it. And the reason why I don't think it is a disclosure instead of confirmation is the fact that, in my opinion, there is this giant UFO Pandora's box that agencies like the United States Air Force and the NSA, the NRO, the CIA, the FBI, and every alphabet agency in between are holding on to because there are a lot of questions on the table that I think need to come forward and be answered before we get a full and true disclosure. And I am just steadfast on that because I want to be able to see this stuff happen. I want to see it uh, be creative. I want to see it, you know, I want to know about Bob Lazar. I want to know about Roswell. Mm. I want to know about the Phoenix Lights because I don't believe the Phoenix Lights were A-10 Thunderbolts dropping flares over the sky. <laughs> you know, I want no, to know story, stories like yours, right? There's a lot of people who True. have some questions that need to be answered. And I think because of that, everything is on the table regarding this. It's not just the Nimitz or anything along those lines or what David Fravor saw or Alex Dietrich or Ryan Graves or anybody like that who is flying and trying mm -hmm. to intercept these. This is where, you know, I, I really think, you know, I mean, you may call it a controlled disclosure, mm -hmm. but I don't think that a full disclosure will ever happen because could you imagine if all of a sudden the government came out and said, by the way, we have alien bodies from Roswell. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets real, man. And I don't think they want to give that up. I don't think so either. <laughs> I think that's going to be the hardest thing is bodies and, you know, actual things they have, because then that would be me. That would, that would tell people that they've been lying to us for the past 75 years. And that's generally frowned upon, <laughs> you know, a government lying to, or, or even defense department of defense lying to blatantly to people, to their faces. And even going so far as to tell people, Oh, you're crazy. You, this is not what you saw, you know? And, and that is my concern. Does the, the medium fit the message? And right now, I don't know if it does or not. And that, that bugs me. That bugs mm -hmm. me because I think that they are trying to control the narrative through a very, very ignorant mainstream media. And we've mm -hmm. seen that the last four years. I think mm -hmm. that, that that's what they need to do. I think it's very controlled, very contrived. And very well conceived. What do you think on the media setup? 
Um, I don't particularly watch mainstream media myself anymore. I haven't, I haven't watched mainstream media for quite a while, actually. Um, I do my own, essentially, I do my own research. Uh, I look up my own articles. Um, I follow certain people, you know, um, especially people that have differing viewpoints from myself. You know, you can't just listen to people that you only agree with, you know. You have to listen to people that don't agree with you. That way you have an ability to shape your own thoughts around that. You know, you have, you have something constantly not attacking, but constantly reinforcing your own beliefs or taking down something that, Hey, you know what? That really wasn't the correct thing. That wasn't truth. So like I said, uh, mainstream media is not, I don't particularly agree with myself anymore. You know, um, like I, I, I follow certain people and I, that's just what I do. <laughs> Where do you think this is all going to go? Um, eventually, um, I would... L- I was going to say what I would like it to go. Would it probably end up going... Um, I know we have the Gillibrand thing coming around. Um, every October 31st, we should be getting a new report, but I don't particularly feel confident in those reports because the guy in charge of them doesn't know what a UAP is, essentially. So I don't really have a whole lot of confidence there. Right. Right. Okay. So do you think what we are seeing right now is good for the public? Currently, yes. Uh, I would say yes, it is good for the public. We need to get the ball continually rolling, um, or, or at the very least, the topic needs to stay hot because if it gets cold, I think we'll end up like Blue Book. You know, it'll go the way of the dodo, shuffled for or, or shelled for another ten, fifteen years. <laughs> okay, with your military experience and people who you have talked to about this, why do you think? there is such a resistance in other people from your, from say your rank when you served on down and on up on coming forward with what they've seen. Not everybody has a military pension that they need to worry about. Mm-hmm. So why mm-hmm. not talk? It's, it's a stigma. Um, it's a society stigma, really. You don't, People don't like being called crazy. Uh, they don't like being viewed as crazy. And there are people that, you know, there's a lot more people out there that don't believe in the phenomenon. They don't believe in UAP. Or, um, you know, they have their own belief system that doesn't include UAPs or does, doesn't uh, jive with it anyway. And so you have these people making fun of them. Oh, well, you believe in this. Well, you must be stupid. Or you must be gullible, right? You're not particularly trustworthy or you're crazy. You know, there's always that stigma that is associated with, oh, well, you're a UFO guy? Okay, well, here's your tinfoil hat kind of deal, you know. And I can see why people wouldn't come forward and 
relate their experiences because I get called crazy. You know, I understand. I understand what I saw and my experiences are. It's, it's mind boggling. Um, I think it's crazy, you know, and I have to continually say, or I, or not continually, but, you know, evaluate myself every time. You're like, did I, did I really see that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did, you know, that kind of deal, you know, um, it, it's just society stigma, man, society t- stigma. Even with everything that's going on and that people are coming out and we have fighter pilots that have come out, granted, they, have, they haven't been from the air force, the army or the Marines yet. Right. I think it's becoming less stigmatized as more people are learning about this, you know, because as you know, UFO Twitter and all these other various uh, places that people talk about UAPs is getting larger and more people are becoming included. More people are learning about this phenomenon, you know, and it's, I, I feel it's becoming more easily approachable with people that don't know what you're talking about. So it's only a matter of time, like how comfortable people feel really. True. True. Where do you see this going over the next few years? Do you see speaking out a lot more about this? Do you feel that it, it is a role that you need to accept to tell your your fellow um, airmen and airwomen that it is it is okay to talk about what you saw? I mean, yes, no. I, I'm not. I'm not in this for you know, personal gain or glory or to be a hero or anything, you know? Um, I mean, obviously if people want to talk, um, I'm, I'm open and I'm willing to talk to people. Um, if you have your own experiences, by all means, reach out, talk to whoever you want. Um, I, I don't particularly see myself leading this thing, but if that's what ends up happening, then that's what ends up happening. You know, I'm not going to say no, but, you know, I I also want to stress that I'm not the only one. And, you know, there are lots more people probably behind me, you know. No, I, I can understand that. But if you could say anything to fellow veterans of any branch of the military, not only in the United States, but where I am in Canada and elsewhere in the world, what would you like them to know? What would you want to tell them? Um, you know, it's, it's not as scary as you think it is. Yeah, it is, it is pretty scary about talking about your experiences sometimes. And especially if you were in high areas of, you know, classified areas, you know, as long as you honor your NDAs and you don't break anything that you're supposed to break, then you're, you're fine, man. Like talk about your experiences. If, if you feel comfortable talking about it, please, by all means. All right. I, I, go ahead. You know, Finish up, please. Um, yeah, just talk about what's going on. Uh, it's better. It's better to let people know what's going on because eventually the truth is going to come out anyway. I think eventually. 
All right. Uh, you, we've got about eight and a half minutes left with you here. And, you know, there's still a lot to go over. Let's get to Gloria's question here. Do you think, Adrian, that the military knows what's going on with the missing 411 people? I'm not sure what the missing 411 is. Well, these these are people, uh, uh, cases that are investigated by a gentleman named David Politis. And they these are people who vanish without a trace, mainly in national parks. Hmm. Probably not. Um, and I would say they probably not because they would... You know, I can't... It's really, this is my own opinion. Um, there's a lot of technology out there. If they really wanted these people to show up, they, they would. You know, um, I don't think they would keep people out or they would, you know, um, I don't think they would have a reason for that, you know. Hmm. So if, if they knew what was going on, I'm sure they would. I don't, I'm not, again, I would have to feel more, feel, uh, familiarize myself more with the, the missing 411 to speak more about it. Not a problem. Do you, do you believe that the military is holding on to a lot more information regarding UAP than playing the we don't know what it is card? Hmm. Sorry, could you repeat that again? I'm well, do you think the the U.S. military knows a lot more about UAP than pleading ignorance the way they are in the public eye? I think they do to a certain extent, but I also think they're still in the dark. I don't think they know the whole story. They know more than they know more than what they let on, but I don't think they know everything. What do you think they're missing? I would say I think they're missing probably just I think they might have craft or physical evidence. Um, I don't think they have the means to uh Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Communicate with this phenomenon or, or there's no dialogue going on. 
Hmm. Do you think that we do have craft from other civilizations? Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, archaeological evidence has suggested it. Um, there's too many incidences of military showing up after crashes, sub- alleged crashes, <laughs> and them taking pieces and rocks and stuff away. Um, so I think they have something. I'm not sure what they have, I, you know, obviously. Um, but it's in my opinion, they have something physical. Uh, I'm probably sure it's a craft. I don't think they have anything biological. And if it is, it's probably subjective or at least it's anomalous that they can't tell what the biological is, just that it's not us. Um, And again, they haven't made that connection between what, what is, uh, or they haven't made like a, a dialogue or they haven't been able to communicate with this phenomenon, whatever is going on. Do you think the phenomena is dangerous for the people of this planet or do you think we're mature enough for it? And again, this is my own opinion. Um, I, I wouldn't say that we're not immature for it or mature for it. I, but I believe we all deserve the truth regardless. What is your truth? What is the truth in your opinion? Man, there are so many things that it could be. Um, I personally, and again, this is very, I follow along the lines of, or not follow along the lines, but I kind of follow John Ramirez in his saying that, you know, embrace widely and hold lightly. And these are things that I hold very lightly. Um, and I'm ready to throw them away whenever, you know, there's evidence to disprove them. But I kind of think these are, if not extra universal or, or what people call ultra universal, um, maybe ultra dimensional beings, maybe even, um, probably from another, like an alternate earth. Um, there's even, if, if he is to believe, believed John Ramirez, if they are Saurian or whatever, you know, it kind of, it would kind of track or kind of track with, uh, if there was not a meteor that had destroyed the dinosaurs, they would have millions and millions and millions of years to develop their technology. Was to say they are not experimenting with, uh, you know, other universes. So that, that could be a thing. And this is, like I said, pretty out there stuff. And I don't really hold it very tightly. You know, I could be wrong. (laughs) We have 90 seconds left with you tonight. You, you say that you, you know, are going to take this, as it goes and and as it happens all right and if people want to talk to you about this 
they can. If they don't want to talk to you about it, that's fine too. But you feel it's important to continue to head out and and talk to people about UAPs. With one minute to go, what do you want people to know about your side of the conversation? Um, my side of the conversation, you know, I, I like to educate myself, really. You know, I, I listen to all these other podcasts. I listen to, you know, science podcasts. I listen to science news. Um, like just yesterday, you know, I was, I posted something on Twitter about, uh, um, particles and wave theories, you know, if they're the backbone of reality, essentially. And, you know, if, if, if anything, I'm somebody that with an open mind, essentially. Um, and I like listening to different aspects of life. You know, I like to listen to people. Right. I don't blame you. Adrian, I want to say a big thank you for coming on Spaced Out Radio tonight. I know that uh, you're still not used to the idea of talking publicly about your own sightings from Whiteman Air Force Base but in, in the subject, but you did awesome tonight, and thank you for thank explaining you. your story to our listeners. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Adrian Reister, everybody. You can follow him on Twitter by going to Adrian since 84 check him out there coming up next we're going to go into the swamp we are going to bring in Bigfoot Rob for the report and Dave 101 coming up next alright man we're clear great job thank you <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, dude, you're awesome. You're awesome. I really appreciate uh, Thomas allowing us to get in touch with you regarding this and and to have you on our show. It it really meant a lot, man. Thank you. I had a lot of fun being here, man. (laughs) Right on. Right on. I will let you get to bed because i got to get ready for my news and everything and and the hour three. But let us uh, reconvene some other time very soon. Sure. Yeah, man. Cool. And if you ever want to come back on, let me know. All right. Thank you. All right, buddy. You take care. You too. Good night. Good night. Man, I enjoyed him. Really enjoyed him. It's pretty fantastic. Very much appreciated him and his time. Tonight's topic for, uh, let me just check something here. Hold on. I just go like this. Hold on. I feel like so behind right now. I don't know why. I don't know why.
Tonight, uh, we are going to be talking about proof on the day of 101. Proof. I think it's an important subject. We brought it up a lot in the last couple of weeks, and I, I want to talk about that. Excaliperful, thank you very much for that stunning super chat. Really do appreciate that. Look how beautiful Bigfoot Rob is looking right now. He's got the... Uh, does that not look like Hulkamania 2072 right there? Hulkamania 2072. Well, thank you, Dave. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm uh, hoping that these solar flares, you know, don't flare up again. I've been working hard on this. I hope they do. I'll tell you why. That means Dave okay. is going to have northern lights. Oh, very good. Well, if I get them, I'll be like, trying, I'll be talking like one of those Chuck uh, Bruce Lee movies, like a few weeks, a couple weeks ago. I think I got it squared away. I had to rob from Peter to pay Paul, so my video isn't as great. But I hope the audio is coming through spot on. Dude, you were looking like Hulkamania twenty seventy two. That's all that matters to me. All that matters <laughs> to me. Ah, uh, thank you, David. Thank you. Much love. That was a good. That was a great show. Great show. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very yep. much. Uh, what was I going to do here? Okay, I got that. Oh yes, I was going to go over here. Set up the uh, uh, the transfer accounts. Yeah. So it was like uh, it's been a crazy week with these solar flares, and you know, a couple of days ago, man, I had a. I think I knocked out a, a, a uh, something in my tooth, right? Like, a, oh, that sucks. I don't know. Yeah, so a couple of days go by, and uh, I said, "Man, I got to call the dentist and go because my whole right side of my face was like on fire." So as it turns out, I need a root canal. He can't get me until next week. So the right side of my head feels like an ice pick is being jammed in it. Oh, nice! As we speak, as we speak, and I'm taking these, this medication, which it's like dulling it, but every time I talk and listen, my head pounds. Mm -hmm. I had to do a show an hour and a half today, and I suffered through that, and then I found out I was going to come on emergency duty. So I said, you know what? I can do 15 or 16 minutes for Dave tonight. Appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. We got about a minute yeah. and a half here. <laughs> yeah, okay, filthy. I'll get a drawing from you. Yep. Yeah, Filth is going to be busy down in Las Vegas doing drawings for so many people. Thin Lizzy's going to be there. Bigfoot Michigan Rob's going to be there. All right. Yeah, he's going to be walking down Fremont Street after a couple of beers. What you going to yeah. do when Bigfoot Mania <laughs> runs wild on yeah, you? I got, I, got it. I got to get me some more uh, bad bananas. I got like 24. I got to get some new ones. I'm geeked for that, man. Oh, yeah. I'm geese. That's I'm so pumped up for it, dude. So pumped up for it. All right, we got about twenty seconds. Thank you to Excaliperful, Thomas R and R, Ozzy Rob and his ham hocks, 
Cat Chaser and Obi Flett for the amazing super chats tonight. Really do appreciate it. Big thank you to all the veterans out there who tuned us on in. You always got a safe home here on Spaced Out Radio in our chat rooms. And here we go with the final hour, everyone. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. And thanks to the listeners in our chat room, I am totally craving Taco Bell right now, which is an impossible task. But blame them. Blame them if I sound a little hangry right now. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, make sure you check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. And we want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free once again at YouTube, and our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Vafris. Vafras is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Check us out on social media on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again to head into the swamp where our resident storyteller, Swamp Dweller, joins us with another spooky, strange story. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. For context... I've lived most of my life bouncing between Pennsylvania's Corn Ocean area and the popular mountain tourist destinations to the northeast. Those who have lived or visited those general areas may be aware of the peculiarities of Pennsylvania roads. Firstly, that they are horribly managed, and secondly, these roads see a lot of death. Roadkill is a problem just about anywhere with motorists but I hardly go a single day without seeing mangled deer carcasses. Most deer here are pretty and well-mannered, which is probably why it's particularly disturbing to see fawns with crushed skulls or does with their entrails dragged upwards of 10 yards down the highway. However, wildlife gore isn't the specific sort of death I was obsessed with growing up. My thing was looking out the window and finding crosses, Markers left for those killed on or near the road, typically from car accidents. There's one not far from me that has the word Jessica written in a bubble font on magenta-painted wood. Hers has been there as far back as I can remember. I'm in my early twenties now, but someone still tends to it and occasionally brings flowers and places photos around it. Honestly, I've always found it heartwarming that Jessica is loved, even now. 
Many crosses I've come to expect on my daily routes have become worn, knocked over, and just generally abandoned. I realize there probably isn't anyone left to take care of them, but it is still sad to know that these crosses that symbolize someone else's loved one are now lost decay and rot. Disheartening, as that is, at least I can mentally distance myself from it. If you pushed it far away, it's easy to pretend that death is not part of living. Although, I was rather abruptly forced to acknowledge it a few times in my childhood. Once, on a dark summer night, a family friend was driving me back to my mom's following a long road trip we had taken. It's about a two-hour ride, and being an annoying 12-year-old, I didn't even try to sleep, which meant I was looking out the window, watching the tree line along the highway. We soon came upon a blocked lane in the flashing lights of an ambulance and police. I watched, sort of shocked, as a person that had a sheet drawn over them was hauled into the back of an ambulance. The adult driving quickly assured me that the man was going to be just fine, and that that was the end of the discussion. I'm feeling pretty sure that that was my first dead person experience outside of a funeral. Despite the distance and the reassurance of my family friend, there was no obvious gore, and while I do remember seeing a damaged vehicle, it was only a little smashed up on the nose and alongside the driver's side. Overall, probably not something that should have left a big enough impression on me that I still think about it to this day, and perhaps I wouldn't have if it didn't happen in combination with my first experience with road hallucinations. It was a good hour down the line after I saw it. I was nearly home to my mom when the road began to shift and undulate. I mentioned it to the driver who told me I was just tired, and it was a common mirage. To my initial amusement, I began to see figures scrawled out on the surface of the road, like 2D cartoons. I began to describe it to the family friend, the many dragons and sweeping humanoids I was seeing in these dizzying little patterns, laughing and occasionally staring a bit as the visions grew more vivid. The friend driving me told me to stop looking at the road if it was scaring me. I, of course, didn't listen. Suddenly I saw a very pale, translucent figure in front of us about 15 yards away. It was low to the ground and appeared to be a person resting on its belly. I watched as it began to rush towards us. Now, clearly legless but crawling at a breakneck pace with its arms, it jumped on the hood of the car. Its face pocketed with empty sockets like black voids. I screamed out loud, and then it was gone. I got reprimanded for hollowing and screaming and scaring the driver. I stopped looking at the road and happily walked into my mother's home when we arrived. Even though I told her all about my visit with my dad and my trip, including the weird illusions I saw, telling my mom didn't stop me from plugging an old nightlight in the wall before going to bed and hiding under my blankets. That was also the first and last time I saw such a vivid mirage while in the car or otherwise. It's hard to describe just how very real this event felt to me, even though it happened so quickly. I still can picture its body and face moving towards me on that highway. Rationally, I knew it was a trick of the mind. I still love long road trips, especially if I'm not driving and get to watch the scenery. However, I do not try to stare too long at the dark asphalt these days. And we want to say a big thank you to Mr. Swamp Dweller for coming on in and hanging on out with us tonight to give us another spooky story. You can check him out at Swamp Dweller Reads on YouTube, so youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. Let's get to the cryptid report 
with Bigfoot Michigan Rob. Filling in for the vacationing and superb Duke Sullivan from World Bigfoot Radio, we have Bigfoot Michigan Rob with Brunch with Bigfoot, his podcast on YouTube with Big Tex. And yeah, we love him around here. You know, he's wearing the yellow bandana. He looks like Hulk Hogan right now. He's got the jowls and he's ready to kind of spring into action in the squared circle of the cryptid world. Big Rob, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, but my jaws or my jaw is like on fire from this uh, tooth pain I'm going through. But you know what, Dave? Anything for you, for your terrestrial audience, and the lovely people on YouTube watching and chat. Absolutely love it, man. That's a way to take one for the team right there. You know, that's that's Stanley Cup playoff hockey right there, Rob. Absolutely. Yes. Well, my wings will be there in a couple years. A couple years yet couple decades but you know that's another story <laughs> that's another story well, I don't know. okay yes mm-hmm. hey we're not all uh russian with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Team anymore. Yeah, I know. I know. And that makes me happy. That makes me Thank happy. You, you know, uh, my Vancouver Canucks, by the way, are turning into the, the Swedish-American connection. I don't even think they know what Canadian hockey players are anymore. <laughs> well, see, see, now you're going to get me uh, on this giant rant, and I don't want to go on a I'm hockey sorry. rant right now, you know, because Tom Rennie, the guy who runs yeah. Hockey Canada, all right, yeah. he loves participation badges. He loves oh, it. Oh, He's wow. never won anything in his hockey career outside of a couple of silver medals, all right, N- did nothing when he coached in the NHL, did nothing. And now we have to... We have to literally watch him ruin Hockey Canada because he loves participation badges. And it's he, he's taught Canadian hockey players that it's okay to lose as long as you have fun and you get your shifts in. It's okay to lose. All right? No, it's not. This is our game. It's our game. You can't do that. It's terrible. Yes. You can't stand it. Maybe we could do a whole show on that. participation badges, forget it, you know. It's about winning, let's face it. Life is about winning, people. Life is about winning and losing. And and trust me, I am somebody who has lost way more than I have won in life. Way more. Right? Got to toughen up. Got to toughen up. 
throw a couple of body checks. Yep. Get out there. All right. Absolutely. Let's get to the cryptid the cryptid world. What's happening around? What kind of reports get are you getting, Tavoris? Well, actually, when I knew I was going to come on today, I did another. I've got, like I say, a couple sources that I've been getting, which I really trust, and it's taken me a long time to develop the relationship over the last three years, a couple sources here in Michigan. And so since we're doing the report, I'm Michigan Rob. I'm going to uh, tell you about a couple here. One was in Clare, Michigan, a county. Uh, this was a pol- the police had reported. Now, this is the actual police. They're driving through Clare County, Michigan in a subdivision. And it's really not a subdivision out here. It's like there's one house for every 50 yards. So they hear shun- excuse me, gunshot blasts echoing down this main road. So they proceed down the road. And lo and behold, there's a guy firing off rounds with his shotgun. They ask the guy what he's doing. He says, you're not going to believe this, and I'm not shooting at an actual animal. It's not a deer. It's not a bear. He he told him flat out, I think it's a Bigfoot. It's something tall. It's about nine foot tall, hairy, and it's, it's running 50, 60 feet back and forth. So, of course, when the police are there, they look at him kind of strangely and ask him had he been drinking, yada, yada, gave him, put him through the riot act. So they went and to the neighborhood, certain neighbors within, again, 50 yards. And they said, yeah, that's Charlie. Charlie claims that there's Bigfoot in the area, and he's out there hunting them down and everything like that. We just think he's kind of out there. One neighbor, though, at the end of the block or at the end of the the stretch of homes had mentioned that, you know, the last several months they have heard certain sounds that were not natural emanating from the tree line. So who knows about that? You know, it's Clare County, Michigan, and uh, that's where we have there. Here's another interesting, too. This has actually happened in uh, Alcona, Michigan, the county. And this is about a peeping Tom. There was a couple reported in their living room looking out through their living room window. And the wood line is probably backs up like 90 feet from the living window, living room window. And they've seen in the distance something kind of peering back and forth, kind of to the left, to the right, moving forward. Got closer, closer, and closer. And then they've seen a head come out from the side of a tree with glowing yellow eyes. And the uh, husband and wife, again, they utter the words, we think that's like a Bigfoot creature or something. And um, he knew it was about nine feet tall because he had a bird box that was mounted on the tree about seven foot up from the base of the tree. And this thing, the head was at least two feet above that. And then the same county within the two days, a, um, a woman was in her kitchen doing dishes and looked up from uh, doing the dishes. And a, uh, she saw yellow eyes, literally feet from her, from her, uh, from the window. And dropped your dishes and, of course, uh, called the police and they came out. No avail, no footprints or anything was was in the area. So these were two accounts within a couple days of each other of a possible Bigfoot sighting. And, of course, the other guy blasting off his shotgun shells in a county about 50 miles north. Um, how much time do I got? Oh, you got lots of time, bud. Okay, cool. His last one. Now, anybody, this one here has really got me. 
This is in Wexford County. I've mentioned this on the show before, Dave, that Wexford County is the capital for Dogman. Right. Now, okay. The man's at his home. He's got um, a couple acres of property. Tree line backs up to the rear of the house, maybe 50 yards. He's got a, he has three dogs and has one of those electronic fences. So when the dogs, they can't, once they hit a certain area, it kind of zaps them, but not inhumanely, just where they know not to travel any further. So it's his way of making sure that they don't venture off into the woods behind him. And he lets them out all the time. So he has three dogs. One night, about midnight, lets his three dogs out. Now, his dogs, they're not real big barkers. If you if the mailman comes by, they'll bark. If a guest comes by, they'll bark. But then it's only for a couple seconds, then they stop. They're pretty pretty tame. They might bark at a deer, and he even made mention that even the deer that come through, they're used to. They don't even pay any attention to them anymore. So he lets these three dogs out. And they're barking, and they're barking very unusually, right? They're just, and he just can't get over it. He goes, what in the world is going on out there? So he goes out to investigate, takes a flashlight with him. Whatever the dog's names were, Sadie, Johnny, and Timmy, what's going on, fellas? And they're looking at him strangely, and they keep looking into the tree line. So he shines his light in the tree line. Fellas, boys, you know, I don't see anything. So he turns around. Now he prompts his dogs to come back in his house with him. They don't want to come back in the house. They want to investigate what's going on. I mean, in his mind, there's nothing there. But he did find it highly unusual here, Barky. So he goes back in the house. He says about five minutes later, these dogs start barking frantically. They are they're almost now they're almost growling, and he said he's never even heard them growl. And then the pit in his stomach just turned. Oh my! Two of the dogs started like whimpering. One of the dogs you heard like a yelp. He went outside. The two dogs ran, beeline right into the house. But he had three dogs, as I made mention of. Couldn't find the third dog. You know, and I'm a dog lover, man. And this this story, it he's looking for his dog. Now, he knows, as I made mention earlier, the electronic fence. So they cannot escape that perimeter. So he's looking all within the perimeter of the fence. Cannot find his dog. He's yelling out to his dog, Sadie, Sadie. So he says, well, you know, he had a strange feeling. So he went past the the fenced area and proceeded into the woods. He travels into the tree line. Says he gets about 90, 100 feet up into the tree line, into the forest, finds his dog. The thing about it, it didn't appear as though it was attacked by anything. Because the strangest thing about this, 
and people listening, the dog was severed right in half. Razor cut. Not jagged, not chewed on, not clawed at or torn apart. It was cut like in half like you would take a block of meat with a butch knife and slam it. And this is also in winter time. Snow is on the ground. Very little blood. Now, maybe, of course, it got coagulated because of the, the cold winter snow, the air. I don't know. I'm not a, I, I don't know. Called in a report, obviously called the police. And so that's all I have on that. I haven't had any follow up on that because that happened most recently. And uh, as I had made mention, the only thing that I thought of Wexford County, dog man, incisors for nails. A quick whap. I don't know. I'll let you guys decide for, on that one. But very sad story. And, again, it kind of touches me because I am a dog lover. And uh, that's that's a way to find your animal, man. Man, I don't know if I've heard dog men do that. I've heard them ripping things apart. I mean, that almost sounds more alien, dude. You know, I made reference to Wexford because of the Dogman Capital. What you were saying sound, does sound kind of alien because, you know, those aliens cut those rocks, those precision rocks without mortar. I think I talked to that on the show the other day. I mean, yes, that sounds more like that than an animal. I don't even think, number one, as you said, I don't heard of, I've never heard of a dogman do that. But the precision, the precision, it's just, to me, it lends my thought toward alien as well. Do we know if there was any footprints around if it was in the snow? You know, in the report, the man did look around, found nothing. There was no footprints. No kidding. That totally mm-hmm. sounds alien fact, to me then. Well, what he did find, you know, there were footprints all in the fenced-in area with the electronic fence. Outside of the perimeter, he did make mention of no prints because I guess that's a question that was asked, which I was reading in the report, which would have been great of me to bring up, by the way. But no prints, nothing. Even around the dog itself, there was no prints. Just a little spattering of blood, which seemed to have been dried up. And, of course, I've heard of encounters, too, with aliens sucking the life, the blood out of certain things as well. So you would think there would be a lot more blood. I don't care how cold it is. Now, the footprints that he did see in his yard, were they all just the dog's prints? They were the, his dogs, yes. But nothing else. They were all like, no, they were the dog's prints, and they were all haphazardly about the yard as they were like running around in frantic circles back and forth and such. So, my goodness. Past that fence line, nothing. Nothing by the dog in the woods either. That is just freaky. To me, that sounds completely extraterrestrial completely extraterrestrial and even if it was a just a disgruntled neighbor a human not even a human footprint the only prince was him going back and forth that was it nothing my goodness my goodness that is a horrible horrible story and and you know we've heard of these mutilations before with cattle with horses with goats i could see where it would happen with a dog too Sure. Absolutely. You know, Bigfoot Michigan Rob, it's a quick one, but a good one. We say thank you for coming on Spaced Out Radio, sharing these latest reports regarding Sasquatch and other 
cryptid encounters that cannot be explained. Quickly, 10 seconds. Tell everybody where they can find your podcast. Sure, you can find us at Texas Front Porch. We have three shows, the third one coming to you. And also Bigfoot Michigan Rob, kind of a spinoff of Texas Front Porch. We're kind of interrelated moving forward. So Texas Front Porch, Bigfoot Michigan Rob. Just type it out. You'll find it. Subscribe. That would be great. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you to chat and everybody's going to listen later. Thank you, Bigfoot Michigan Rob on the Cryptid Report, filling in for Duke Sullivan from World Bigfoot Radio. Coming up next, we have the Dave 101 Shirky Poos News. We'll try and jam in the thought of the Dave as well. Space Down Radio continues after this. Great stories tonight, buddy. Great stories. Oh, uh, thanks, man. And my head is pounding, man. I, you know, I, I lost my train of thought. It hurt so hard, but hard. Yeah, it hurt so bad. See what I'm saying? So I'm sorry for that. But yeah, thanks. That was a, you know, there was something I wanted to share with you in, uh, real quick. You know, we were talking about the BFRO. You've done it on your yeah. show. Here's something I want you to think about real quick. This game, this guy was telling me for everyone, 5.19 Bigfoot reports taken in the state is by a motorist reporting an actual Bigfoot sighting in the state. One of every seven Bigfoot reports taken by a motorist reporting on actual Bigfoot sighting in the state involves a witness in a parked motor vehicle. This is what the BFRO, BFRO is telling this friend of mine, and he wants to know how come the BFRO is not even reporting these minimal past incidents. And their response is this, Dave. They ask, why do you find these old poor, old reports as being important? My friend replies, it's passed in part of a prologue, and it is data. It is data points. As simple as the encounter sounds, they're being omitted, skewing everything, hindering research, hindering what we all do in the cryptid world. And that's a, just another, as far as I'm concerned, way that I'm pushed away from these these people called the BFRO omitting reports now about simple encounters because they don't have enough meat. Ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. That's why we need someone out there. And I think it would be a conglomerate of people. And I, you know, Rob, I think when we're in Las Vegas with, we got some pretty brilliant minds around there. Nate Rudd will be there. You'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, Carter Burchart is going to be there as well and i think we need to sit down and and see if uh, it would be feasible in starting another website up to bring in these proper reports that are being ignored by the BFRO i really do believe that yeah i agree too dave because it just makes me sick because it's just like there's things going on that's not being reported, and it just just does everybody a disservice. It really does. It really does. The casual, the casual person, the staunch explorer, researcher, and even a guy who does a podcast, a show, whatever. It's it's just it's just it just stinks for everybody. Really does, Rob. I'm going to let you go get some rest here, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for a lot. In. We love you. Nope, anytime, buddy. We love you, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Take See care. you, chat. People listening. All Bye. right. Uh, what a trooper Bigfoot Michigan Rob is. What a trooper for hanging on out with us.
Wow, what a story. What a story. By the way, 105 years ago today, three brave men fought El Guapo at the Battle of Santa Poco to give Mexico its independence. God bless the three amigos. Good morning, Body Tech. How you doing? <clears throat> Super Quest, good to see you. Uh, yes, hunters will do that. But they usually re use rope or chain. They don't just, like, hang them off a tree. I want to say a big thank you tonight to Excaliperful, Thomas, R&R, Ozzy Rob, Cat Chaser, and Obi Flett for the amazing Super Chats tonight. Good evening, Ross Lambda. Uh, we really love and appreciate the support that you guys give us on a nightly basis here on Spaced Out Radio. Remember, March 25th to 27th, I will be in San Francisco along with Lynn Wallington for UFOCon 2022. If you want to go, tickets are at UFOCon2022.com where you can come hang on out with us. We'd appreciate it. And, of course, the SOR Vegas Party, April 22nd to 24th. Here we go. Rounded third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire, checking out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is that time of the week where I give my opinion on a topic du jour on the Dave 101. It's time for Dave 101. Now, I know over the course of this show, many of you have heard me discuss this topic. 
but it's time to get a little bit more in depth with it. And that is proof. What is proof? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Look, for many of us, proof is different. Your proof is different than mine. It's just like witnessing a car accident. I'm going to see something completely different than what you are going to record in your own memory. Every field that we have here has their own proof. Proof of Sasquatch. Proof that it's a monkey. Proof that it is a supernatural type being. Proof of UFOs. Proof of alien abduction. However, what we see in the UFO community right now, especially, and that's kind of where I'm going to focus on, is the idea of we don't have proof. There are people out there who are sick and tired of anecdotal evidence. They don't want the stories anymore. They want the evidence. Evidence such as video. Quality video. Not something blurry that you can't tell if it's a UFO a bug, or even a Chinese lantern. And for those people, they are right. They are absolutely right. We need more. But here's the problem. If you put out quality evidence, this field will absolutely rip you apart. Take, for instance, the Patterson-Gimlin film of Sasquatch. Now, I know we're talking UFOs here, but I'm going to bring this up. It's been over 50 years, and the Gimlin family and the Patterson family are still haunted by that Bigfoot video. Not because of the Sasquatch. No, not at all. It's the community around them who calls them liars, cheaters, Fakers, suit makers, and the support gets drowned out by the skeptics and the trolls that just want to try and bring everything down. We need to be able to be a little bit more accepting of anecdotal evidence. If we're going to conduct an opinion poll here on whether or not things should be counted, we should be doing it the exact same way as a court of law. Now, 
Not many of us are lawyers. Not many of us have that type of experience. But we know that the court of law, even though they still get some things wrong, and the odd time convict an innocent person, the majority of the time, they are right. The majority of time, they can accept eyewitness accounts, along with that shady, grainy video. I mean, look, we can take a clear shot of the moon, yet every bank in North America and probably the world still uses the worst security cameras ever. Yet that footage is good enough to help commit and convict somebody of a robbery. Why don't we hold that as a standard right here in the UFO community? No, instead, we want to break people down. We want to call them liars. We want to call them fakers, cheaters, whether it's for publicity, podcasts, you name it. Maybe even money. Lord knows there isn't a lot of money in this field. But we do it because we love it. The idea that proof needs to be a clear video doesn't cut it. Proof being a clear photograph doesn't cut it. We've seen that with the videos that we have received over the last couple of years regarding UFOs. Now, whether you like or dislike the To The Stars Academy, and I was very, very much in staunch against the TTSA, their videos were good enough for me to try and put things together. I liked their videos. In fact, in one of the videos, I have a listener named Joe who caught something that looked exactly similar to one of the Gimbal films. Right over his house, clear photo. Does that mean it's faked? Are they the same craft? Now, that doesn't tell us whether it's UFO, as in from aliens, or whether it's a United States Air Force or Black Project experiment. But as long as it's a UFO, we can call it that. But we always demand more. Do we know what that more is? I remember, I have a ghost picture, that this little-known paranormal investigator in Ontario said, that thing's fake. And I said, no, it's not. And we got into an online argument, which I shouldn't have, because that was a waste of time. And he said, did you send it anywhere? I said, yes. I've had some very incredible people look at this photo and they claim it's real. Because he didn't know who those people were, David Weatherly, Butch Witkowski, to name two. He said, I'm the only one who can determine whether or not this is real. So until you show me it, I don't believe you. It's fake. That's what we're dealing with. That's exactly what we're dealing with in the entire phenomena. That is what we need to stop. But look, the skeptics and the people who are sick and tired of anecdotal evidence do have 
very strong reasoning to be sick of it. Why? Too many people recording CGI. You go on YouTube, at least 98% of the videos there are faked or hoaxed. Why? Because people want clicks. They want their posts on social media like Instagram, TikTok. It's all for popularity and stature in social media. Social media is what has ruined the actual proof. And it's terrible because it's leading a lot of people down a road that they don't need to go down. We need to be a little bit more believable. But we also need to be a little bit more skeptical with what is put in front of us. We can't believe everything that we see right in front of us. We have to have a discerning mind on what is real and what is fake. Your own experiences, you have to try and write them down. You have to try and bring them to as much as you can of painting a picture so that way somebody else can understand what you saw. And you have to stay away from places like YouTube, Twitch, Odyssey, wherever it may be, BitChute, Rumble, any of those video places. Because the fakers are all over the place. They don't care about UFOs. CGI is becoming so realistic, it's hard to tell what is real and what is fake anymore. All right, Bigfoot always has some sort of suit, and those people are getting 35,000, 50,000, 100,000, a million views. Do you know what you get paid for a video that gets a million views per month? You get a lot of money. And that's why they do it. But what it has done is it's turned a very good and smart phenomena and researchers in phenomena into highly skeptical, overzealous, and unbelieving people. And it's too bad. Because if you can't trust the anecdotal evidence... If you can't trust the videos, unless you shoot them, if you can't trust the photographs because you didn't take it, if you can't trust the audio from paranormal investigation, then what do you have? You have absolutely nothing. I try and see the silver lining in all of this. That's what we do here. We tell those stories. We want to hear those stories, those first-hand accounts of people having some amazing experiences. I'm just as enthralled in hearing somebody's story the same way as I am and was seven years ago when I started this show. People want to tell their stories. People want to be believed on what has happened to them. We have to give them that opportunity. However, in a community that is so rough and tough, and it doesn't matter whether you're on Facebook in an experiencers group, or you are on Twitter 
or wherever it may be, or even you get invited onto a podcast, there's always going to be someone who tries to break it down and tries to ruin your spirit. What for? Why do we need the, or why do we think of the idea that we need to attack people because you don't believe their story? It makes no sense. I personally have been called a liar a number of times about my own experiences because people either A, don't want to believe me, or B, they don't believe in the phenomena, or C, they think I'm doing it for money. I could tell you right now, without my experiences, there would be no Spaced Out Radio. Do you think that I enjoy working 16 hours a day, my daytime job, and then night moonlighting in the position in my studio in my house? I can tell you right now, I'm not getting rich off of it. I'm just covering my bills. But that's for another day, another story. I'm not complaining because I enjoy what I do. And I have a very supportive background ahead of me and behind me that keep me moving. The fans ahead of me, my family and friends behind me. That's why we do what we do. It's not about the numbers, although the numbers do help you grow. It's about enjoying the experiences and talking to people about what they have eyewitnessed. We're allowed to enjoy this field. We're allowed to believe what we want to believe. And we're allowed to be just as cordial if we don't believe the story. Look, I have ran around uh, a number of fakers on this show. People who have pulled the wool right over my eyes. A guy thinking a UFO is a street lamp. Or a street lamp, a UFO. Another guy who said that men in black would save him from being chased around the, by the government officials. And aliens would do that as well. you got to have a thick skin. You have to realize that there's a lot of people out there who are just doing this for their 5, 10, 12, 15 minutes of fame. But for the majority of people out there, they are there and they are here because they want answers to what happened to them. We should not be so harsh on the critique, and we should be a little bit more open and letting our ears do the listening before we start calling people liars, fakers, and cheats. And this is why I ask you, what is proof? Because everyone's proof is different. That's your Dave 101 for tonight. And on YouTube, if you want to leave a comment below after this is posted, we'd really appreciate it. Get your opinion, your thoughts. And now, let's get to Shirky Poo's news. Here we go, everyone. How about doing the right thing and then getting a massive bill for it? So there's this man who has been left with a huge medical bill after he donated his own kidney to someone else. 
Elliot Malin was contacted by the mother of his cousin, 28-year-old Scott Klein, in order to find a donor match as he was in end-stage renal failure. Malin and Klein considered themselves cousins, although their blood relationship is more distant than that. She contacted as many people as possible in hopes of finding a donor to help her son live. Klein wasn't yet on dialysis, but he was going to need the operation. The subject of the email stated, Scott needs a kidney. It continued, thank you for considering it, but please don't feel any pressure to do it. Sorry, I have to share this burden, but this, the best uh, potential match is family. Now, Malin, who lives in Nevada, didn't need to think too hard about it, says, hey, if I can uh, make my friend survive, I'm doing this. Totally doing this. And why not? It's not clear what happened to Klein's kidneys, but he needed help and needed it badly. The hospital was amazing on trying to make everything as easy as possible for the two. So, it happened. Living donors who are given the, give their organs to others are not supposed to pay a bill. Yet, here it was. Due to a billing mistake, Mellon was billed a staggering $13,064 from Northstar, a company that provides anesthesia, including Baylor, Scott & White, and All Saints. What's more, they threatened that the bill might go to collections if unpaid. However, after initially dismissing the bills following surgery, they became more belligerent and threatening, and references to delinquent payments and further collection activity ruining the guy's credit for donating a kidney. Yeah, the CEO, Kate Stent, said in an email, on behalf of Northstar, I apologize for causing any confusion or concern to you regarding this matter and assure you that the bill has been resolved. Good, good. So beware, America. You're not like Canada here, where if you're going to go give a kidney or anything else, you just don't have a bill. All right, be careful. Oh, uh, bad news coming out of North Korea. Kim Jong-un has reportedly sent a group of gardeners to labor camps because their flowers failed to bloom in time. The North Korean dictator is said to have taken the decision after being informed that the Kim Jong-ilia begonias, a flower named after his late father, Kim Jong-il, would not be ready to mark the former leader's birthday. The flowers were set to be at a certain uh, centerpiece for a huge celebration on the 16th of February, known as Day of the Shining Star. According to reports, a man in his 50s from Samsu County, identified as Han, was the manager of the greenhouse that grows the Kimilsungias and the Kimjongjulias, and was sentenced to six months in a labor camp. Kim Jong-Jilias, yeah, you can't make this stuff up, which are also known as the immortal flower, were created by Japanese botanist Kamo Matotoru to mark Jong-Il's birthday in 1988. However, since his passing in 2011, the flower has become much more significant. Last month, Han was ordered to make sure that the flowers were ready for a huge exhibition to mark both Day of the Sun, a day to mark North Korea founder Kim Jong-il-sung's birthday, and the Day of the Shining Star. In order to make sure that the special flowers are grown correctly, the temperature and the humidity of the greenhouse had to be monitored carefully. However, due to a lack of firewood, this wasn't possible, and they failed to bloom in time. And the gardener now, six months of hard time in the gulag 
All right, one, time for one more here. A swimmer, this is why we don't go into the ocean, people. Stop going into the ocean. You will die. A swimmer was killed in the first fatal shark attack off of Sydney, Australia in almost 60 years, and he's a British man. 35-year-old Simon Nellis, engaged to be married, loved the water, went for a swim. He was an experienced diving instructor. Yep, that was until old Jaws down there decided, hey, free meal. Yep, they looked for his remains. They only found pieces of him. Pieces. They're still looking for more. However, it's not going to be in pieces. It's going to be in shark poo. That's the truth. Stay out of the ocean. Sharks are everywhere. It's their home, their place. I love the sharks. The ocean is no place for us. It only happened 150 meters from the beach, too. Keep out of the ocean. Thank you to Swamp Dweller. Thank you to Bigfoot Michigan Rob and everybody tooting on in. Shirky Poo for the news. And, of course, our guest, Adrian Reister, talking about UAPs in the USAF. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Revolution Radio, Spreaker, Facebook, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Stay out of the ocean. The sharks will kill. And good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.